Thank you, Benjamin, for the opening music. And welcome this morning to campus worship on a beautiful Wednesday morning. Um, today's talk for campus worship is entitled Climate Change and the Healing of Creation. It explores the science of climate change and the theology of creation care and offers a message of hope and a call for action. Um, during this time, I, I ask that you put away phones and laptops to uh, respect the, the space for campus worship. Um, and this, this talk will be given by Steve Pardini. Steve has a PhD in physical chemistry from Iowa State University and a Master of Divinity from Eastern Mennonite Seminary. He and his wife, Deb, have three grown children. Steve is co-chair of Harrisonburg District, chair of the Congregational Life Commission, and a member of the Virginia Mennonite Conference Council. He attends Harrisonburg Mennonite Church and is involved in the Creation Care Group promoting responsible stewardship of the Earth's resources. He led a committee that installed solar panels on the church building. He is part of a team tasked with planting hundreds of trees on the church campus, which I think he'll talk about during his, his presentation. Steve has a plot of sweet corn in the congregation's community garden. Steve's desire to promote the shalom of God's kingdom comes from his passion for connecting faith, ethical beliefs, and scientific knowledge with the study of scripture. Steve's passion for, has developed into a calling to write Christian education materials and to teach in faith communities. So we'll hear from Steve in just a little bit, but before that we'll, we'll have some music uh, from Brian and Benjamin. So if you prefer using a book for singing, um, just head on out there. We always have them on the rack, and we'll have them projected as well. The first song, Creation, is a song, um, 181. Just listen to how it goes. Creation is a song, a song that we can see, a sacred gift from God. Let's join the harmony, join me. Creation is a song, a song that we can see, a sacred gift from God. Let's join the harmony, the rolling of the oceans, the bubbling of a spring, night sky filled with jewels. Every living creature 
sits as chief. Creation is a song, a song that we can see, a sacred gift from God. Let's join the harmony. English and Cheyenne, based on Psalm 19. The next one is 828, There's a Wild Hope in the Wind. We sang this one last week after the convocation at the Lament Hole ritual. A few of you might have been there. Um, and Benjamin will play through it so that we can hear it. Those just coming in, welcome to Campus Worship. We are focused today on climate change and the healing of creation, and our songs were inspired by that theme and the scriptures now that Haley will read as well. Okay, the first scripture is Romans 8, 18-22. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be re revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to 
futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. The creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. The second verse is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Morning. I wanted to say thank you for the invitation to be here today and for all of the work that went into preparing this uh, worship time together. Very grateful for that. All right. The Earth has a radius of 4,000 miles. The Earth's breathable atmosphere is only seven and a half miles thick. This thin layer of gas sustains all life on Earth. We use this precious gift of God's creation as a toilet, pumping billions and billions of tons of CO2 into it every year, mostly from burning fossil fuels for electricity and transportation. This behavior is unsustainable. Today, we will look at Paul's message in Romans chapter 8, where Paul provides a theological understanding of the scientific fact that creation is subjected to futility and enslaved to decay. Futility says that no process is 100% efficient. That means that everything that humans do creates waste. And decay says that everything decays over time. If we make something and use it, we must maintain it, or else it will fall apart, wear out, and become useless. This is the lament of our existence. There is no way to eliminate futility and decay. They govern everything that we do. This fundamental fact of our life on Earth can lead to fatalism despair, and denial. Some hold to a fatalistic attitude that assumes everything we do is pointless. As the writer of Ecclesiastes 1-2 points out, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. Fatalism becomes a voice that tells us that outcomes are predetermined and therefore inevitable. In John 10-10, uh, Jesus tells us, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Fatalism steals our hope, kills the inspiration of the Spirit, and destroys our God-given purpose for our lives. A fatalistic attitude about climate change says that it's inevitable. Any attempt that we make to change it is meaningless. But Christ promises us abundant life that offers hope and gives purpose. Purposeful living calls us to climate action because it creates a hope that it is not too late to reverse the direction of climate change. For some, 
the inescapable nature of futility and decay becomes a source of great suffering, leading to despair. But Paul reminds us that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The promise of salvation is full communion with our Creator. The present difficulties are a fact of the Christian life in the age between Christ's resurrection and Christ's return. The struggles of this age are not an end, but a prelude to glory. We do not let the difficulties of this present life drive us into despair. We live in the hope that God who subjected creation to frustration will one day set creation free from its enslavement to decay. The magnitude of climate change may seem overwhelming, even desperate. But rather than giving up in despair, we engage the struggles of caring for the earth. We focus on the things we know and can do, and by taking climate action, we do our part to make real improvements. An option for some is the denial of our complicity in the climate crisis. Some believe this fallen, broken, sinful earth is disposable. It will one day re re be replaced by a better one. Uh, the best we can do is just trust in God. God will provide. We'll just need to wait for Christ's return, and then we'll all be raptured into a new heaven and earth. Denial saves us from, quote-unquote, useless speculation about climate catastrophe. Unfortunately, ignoring the problems and struggles of this life will not make them go away. Paul is teaching us that because the issues of this present age persist, we must not fall into denial. Paul reminds us, that God foreknew an ultimate destiny for our lives. God's plan of salvation predestines us to be conformed to the image of Christ. This teaching calls us out of denial. We live into our anticipated future by doing the works God has prepared in advance for us to do today. This means that we do not deny the problems of climate change. We work to solve them. We identify root causes and take climate action to correct the sources of climate change. Fatalism, despair, and denial affect our response to God's command to be cultivators and caretakers of creation. Responsible caretaking includes working to avert the coming climate catastrophe. Some hold to a dominion approach, which says that you have to cut a tree to make something from a tree. Dr. Catherine Hayhoe, a, an evangelical Christian climate scientist, points out that due to the influence of culture and religion, more than two-thirds of evangelical Christians in the United States maintain that climate change is not human-caused. Some evangelicals deny the threat of climate changing, believing God is in control. The environmental outcomes are not humanly determined and therefore not up for debate. Humans are to trust in God's care and provision. God's care for the earth is greater than anything humans can do to destroy it. Humans are to worship God, not creation. And God gives humans dominion over the earth which means the earth is for human use. 
Hayhoe presents a point of view that recognizes human dominion and responsibility. In Genesis 1.28, we read that humans are to be fruitful and multiply, fill and subdue the earth, and have dominion over every living creature. According to Hayhoe, humans are to rule the way God does, walking among the subjects and responsibly caring for them. In Genesis 2.15, God places humans in the garden and gives humans the responsibility to till and keep it. Dominion over the earth is not authorization for humans to exploit the earth. The earth is part of creation, living and non-living. Every part of it received God's blessing. Humans' reckless exploitation of natural resources and the destruction of the Earth's life-giving ecosystems is sinful because it violates God's mandate for humans to be keepers of the Earth. In 1856, Eunice Foote experimented with air and CO2 mixtures. She took some sealed glass jars and added air to them. Then she added ever-increasing amounts of CO2 to some of the jars. She then placed the jars in the sunlight and measured the gas temperature in each jar. She found that the gas temperature increased greater in the jars with CO2. More CO2 resulted in higher temperatures. When she removed the jars from the sunlight, the jars with the CO2 took much longer to cool down. Her research indicates that if we burn fossil fuels and increase the amount of CO2 in the atmosphere, we will increase global temperatures. Scientists have adequately confirmed these experimental results today. The burning of fossil fuels produces CO2, which absorbs heat-producing sunlight. The CO2 acts as a blanket covering the earth. As the CO2 level increases, the climate gets warmer. As the climate warms, the ice sheets in Greenland and Antarctica melt. As these ice sheets melt, the ocean levels rise. Over the past 200 plus years, the CO2 levels in the earth's atmosphere have increased from 280 to 420 parts per million, directly correlating to the burning of fossil fuels. Global uh, temperatures have risen two degrees Fahrenheit, and the sea level has risen about a foot. If we continue business as usual to the end of the century, global temperatures are projected to rise by as much as eight and a half degrees Fahrenheit, and sea levels may rise by up to seven feet. This projected magnitude of sea level rise will affect tens of millions in the U.S. and hundreds of millions globally. Roughly 40% of human population lives within 60 miles of the coast. Severe flooding in coastal regions damages in industry, homes, infrastructure, forces mass migration, and will lead to conflict. Some people hold to a caretaker approach. The caretaker approach says if you cut a tree, plant a tree. Caretaking for Christians uh, combines both sustainable use of the earth's resources with building and forming reconciling relationships. The climate crisis becomes a moral problem because it causes physical loss, 
emotional trauma, spiritual despair, relational brokenness, and conflict. The caretaker approach addresses these moral problems. The climate crisis causes injustice, resulting in forced migration. People will lose their homes and their livelihoods, and many, especially those with low wealth and income, will suffer the most and have the fewest resources to deal with the effects. The caretaker approach corrects these causes of injustice. The immoral and unjust destruction of life-giving ecosystem opposes God's plan of salvation. According to biblical scholar Dr. Harold Snyder, salvation is the healing of all creation. John 3.16 reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, and that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Looking closely at this text, we see that the Greek word for world is cosmos. Cosmos is the ordered system created by God and called good. This text does not say, for God so loved humans. If that were the case, the Greek root word would have been anthropos. God loves humans whom God created. And God has a plan of salvation for humans. And God loves the world that God created, and God's plan of salvation includes the earth. God plans to heal all creation, materially and spiritually. And as Paul reminds us, humans are called to active participation in God's work. Revelation 11.18 warns, The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. This passage follows the sounding of the seventh trumpet, which announces the advent of the Messiah's reign forever and ever. God's wrath will come against the wicked and immoral. God will destroy those whose sinful and corrupt behavior destroyed the earth. They will receive utter destruction as their reward. Hayho sees the earth as a gift for which God has given us dominion and responsibility. Hayho points out that climate change results from poor stewardship of God-given resources and produces global injustice. Hayhoe says if we took our faith seriously, we would be at the front of the line demanding climate action rather than dragging our feet at the back. Acting on the causes of climate change is biblical and has spiritual consequences. And Jesus calls us to action, to hear and do his words. In Matthew 7.21, Jesus reminds us that not all who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Some have told me, some have told me that climate change is a hoax. <laughs> that I believe in untruth. That I'm being deceived. I inform them that over 200 years of research by more than 2,000 scientists in over 20,000 papers published in peer-reviewed journals have produced 99.9% .9 agreement 
that climate change is real and human-caused. I remind them that God has given us the ability to figure things out about the earth. For example, God allowed us to discover penicillin and to gave us the ability to figure out how to use it to treat bacterial infections. God gave us the ability to build an airplane and figure out how to make it fly. God provides us with the capability to figure out what's going on with the climate. God gives us the freedom to choose to obey or rebel. God assures us of salvation and God promises judgment. Human destruction of the Earth's ecosystem is destructions that humans bring upon themselves. This graph plots the atmospheric CO2 concentration in parts per million, that's the y-axis, over time on the x-axis. Now, as you can see in this graph, that when Adam and Eve were in the garden about 6,000 years ago, that's according to some biblical calculations, the atmospheric CO2 level was about 265 parts per million. When Jesus walked on the earth a little over 2,000 years ago, the CO2 level was about 275 parts per million. At the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, a little over 200 years ago, the CO2 level was about 280 parts per million. We know this by analyzing CO2 trapped in layers of ice in glaciers. In the past 200 plus years, the CO2 level has gone from 280 to 420 parts per million. For thousands of years, the atmosphere's CO2 level changed very little. But since the Industrial Revolution, it has increased considerably. Scientists have shown this increase comes mainly from the burning of fossil fuels, primarily to generate electricity and for transportation. This is unsustainable. The time to act is now. This is a picture of Mount Storm Lake uh, Power Generation Plant in West Virginia. It burns coal to make electricity. So you can see here the emissions, the coal emissions from burning the coal. That coal that's burned, the heat from it is used to make steam. You can see the steam coming out of the stacks. That steam turns turbines. Those turbines run generators, and then those generators send electricity on these power lines. 50% of the electricity generated is lost in transmission. Those power lines run to Rockingham County. Much of the electricity that's running the power in this room comes from burning coal. But fortunately, God gave us more than one way to make electricity and power our vehicles. Solar and wind sources provide lower-cost electricity and do not produce CO2. Automobiles uh, with electric batteries charged by solar and wind run without emitting CO2 and cost less to run than vehicles running on gasoline. Transitioning from fossil fuels to renewable energy for electricity and transportation will significantly reduce CO2 emissions. In addition, planting trees helps reduce CO2. You may wonder, why did God make the earth with CO2 in the atmosphere? One reason may be that God planted trees in the garden, and trees need CO2 to grow. 
Trees use sunlight and chlorophyll to convert carbon dioxide and water into glucose and oxygen. These, the trees have enzymes that can convert this glucose into cellulose. That's the stuff that wood's made of. Trees are the lungs of the earth. They take in carbon dioxide and they release oxygen. The great thing about photosynthesis is that it takes six molecules of CO2 to make one glucose molecule. This ratio is an excellent benefit for reducing atmospheric CO2. God has given us the capability and the know-how to use the Earth's resources. God gives us the agency and calls us to use the Earth's resources responsibly and sustainably. So the questions for us become, do we believe that what we do makes a difference? Will we let fatalism, despair, and denial discourage us from caring for each other and for the earth in a way that pleases God? Last Saturday at Harrisonburg Mennonite Church, we experienced the healing of creation. Our vision is to transition from burning fossil fuels to mow grass to reforesting the campus. Over 400 tree seedlings were planted. These tree seedlings will become trees one day, and they will sequester some of the carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. Thank you very much. I'm Lori Yoder, faculty member in chemistry, and uh, two of us have been invited to offer short responses. Um, the image that you led off with is profound. And I wonder, Clay, if you could put that image back up, the one with the, um, the earth and the sun, um, it was at the very beginning of, that, that show, of the presentation. Yeah the sharp, bright spikes of the sun in space, that, that blue and white marbled earth, and then do you see that, that line of sky, that, that, that wedge, that crescent of blue? That's our blue sky, right? The same sky that you look out the window and see. This perspective is, is amazing to me, and every time I see it, I, I have to stop and marvel at this. Um, I heard the words from John 3.16 just a little differently today in this context. God so loved the cosmos. This beautiful, fragile, resilient planet with us on it is being bathed in unconditional love. That's why we act, right? So, I, I want to acknowledge I'm speaking from a space of privilege here as a white woman with a PhD, as one who, because of where I live, I probably won't experience the same catastrophic effects of climate change as so many people around the world will. And it's easy to become overwhelmed, especially when it seems like anything that I do is not enough to make a difference. Honestly, I can identify with futility. And I suspect maybe I'm not the only one. Okay. But here's what I ask myself, and here's what I'm going to ask us all when faced with an overwhelming 
and fearful situation, would I rather face it alone or face it with a community of trusted friends? When I make decisions that go against conventional wisdom that seem foolish even, like putting solar panels on our house, even though we are not going to be financially advantaged by doing so. Who does that? Well, my community does that. Uh, by changing my eating habits uh, to eat less carbon-intensive foods, right? I grew up eating beef every single day in the Midwest. Um, that's not easy to change. But sitting around a table with others who have made that same decision to change, we could even find joy in that. So by taking action alongside others in the community, I'm now in a space where I can receive hope when I lose sight of it. And I can offer hope to others who need it. So let us take action as a matter of living out our faith. Remember, we are bathed in this unconditional love from God for our planet, for each other, for ourselves. Let's not burn ourselves out by trying to go it alone. Let's carry each other. Hi, I'm Mariana Acosta, and I was invited to speak. Thank you, Lori, and thank you, Dr. Pardini. Um, one of my biggest culture shocks coming to EMU, coming to Virginia from Oregon, is that um, most people don't know what an AQI is. And uh, for those of you that don't know, that's an air quality index. The air quality index was my reality growing up in Oregon. Um, where starting in middle school, it was the normal to have practices canceled in the summer because the AQI was not safe for me to be outside of my house. Every single year in Oregon, more acres of forest are burnt down um, than the previous year because of climate change. Um, every year it's a new record, and every year it's a higher AQI, and every year it's more weeks that I cannot be outside, and I am in my house. And then I came to Virginia, and I was like, oh wow, the air is so nice here, <laughs> and everyone's just outside all the time. Um, and I had a lot of despair about that growing up. And so that's the first thing that made me think about my concerns. And then in high school, I took college writing. And my teacher, our big report was about um, garbage. And I learned that every, um, every week, the average American family produces several pounds of garbage. And I was like looking down my street and I was like, that's hundreds of pounds. And then in my neighborhood, that's thousands and hundreds of thousands of millions and then billions of pounds of garbage in Oregon and then beyond that. And I was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna kill the planet. Um, and so I was feeling pretty hopeless, but um, I'm reading this book right now and uh, it referred to humans as 
autonomous bots, like autonomous bots that like we just do things for ourselves and we like consume and we consume. And I actually disagreed with that because um, I don't feel like I live my life just for myself. And like my ideal life, I live it for other people. And um, I don't want to just be consuming and taking and like always striving for like this next better, like better paying job, richer, owning more things. Like I get a meaningful life from living for other people and living in community and living for the earth. And um, like someone, one of my friends, they asked me like, when do you feel happy? Like, how do you know when you're happy? And I was like, well, I think I'm happy when I feel like I appreciate the things around me. And I think that appreciation comes from this like dual relationship between each other and between the planet. And um, so I think meaning is not, you know, this despair, this autonomous bot mindset where like I'm consuming and we're killing the planet and I'm just like striving for this next. It's like when we're living in community. And so, you know, one of my friends said, maybe you don't need a shower every day. Maybe, you know, you change your eating habits. Maybe you don't go shopping because, you know, you don't actually need more clothes. And maybe instead we're like living in this community. And maybe it's not about the big picture all the time where we're just hopeless and like, like you said, we just stop and we freeze. Everything we do is meaningless because I don't think that everything we do is meaningless. I think that everything we do is meaningful, even if it's really small, and just for meaning within our own little communities, and maybe then it becomes meaningful in a larger context. Thank you. So let us respond with a song, New Earth, Heaven's New, um, an, an image for what is possible. Now I invite you to stand for this. It swings a little bit.
created by, um, written, adapted by uh, Carmen Schrock Hurst, and Carmen uh, was um, a Bible religion theology instructor here and is one of the pastors at Harrisonburg Mennonite Church. Join me if you would. Creator God, we give you thanks for the beauty and wonder of all that you have made. Sun and moon, wind and water, plants and animals and people of countless varieties. May we respond with compassion to those whose lives have been upended by climate crisis, whether it be drought, flood, or fire, and may we live simply so that others may simply live. Grant us wisdom and courage to act for the good of our world and for future generations. May our response grow from our faith in you, our creator and redeemer. We're so grateful that, that you are with us today. I know you're available a bit afterward if people want to make a connect. We also have some announcements as to what's coming this week. Thank you, Haley. And then we'll be ready to receive you after the announcements. All right, as we go, I'm just gonna highlight some announcements for the rest of this week. Um, tonight, right here, we have him sing at 9.30. Um, and then all tomorrow is the ACE Festival. So there's a bunch of events going on and students presenting. Um, and then Friday, Earth Keepers is having a spring swap. So any unwanted items like books or clothes, um, you can drop off in the Hall of Nations from either two to four or seven to nine. And then you'll get tokens, um, and you can come back on Saturday um, from 1 to 3 um, to then kind of shop around and trade in tokens for anything you might want. Um, and then there's some athletics games happening on Saturday. And then on Sunday at 9.45, there will be an Earth Day service happening downtown at Turner Pavilion. Um, and anyone is invited to go to that. Um, also on Sunday evening, celebration will be happening right here at eight o'clock. So thank you for coming and I hope you all have a great day.